Great, thank you so much. Isn't it amazing to come in to uh, have worship in the middle of the day? Can I say thank you so much? Thank you so much for leading us in worship. Well, it is uh, fun to be able to speak to my family here at Tyndale. It is uh, lots of fun. And thank you for all the students from my class that came. You'll all get A's. That's a, that's a good thing. I, 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 had my, I did my undergrad in the United States, the great United States of America. I'm Canadian, but I went down to Chicago to uh, get my, my undergrad. And when I was there, I understood it is a different country there. It is quite a different country. I had a roommate from Kansas, and he would always say, do you eat corn on the cob in Canada? Do you actually have potatoes in Canada? They, uh, perhaps he was not fully educated about what Canadians are like. And it was like really fun to all of a sudden say, yes, try and uh, tell them that we lived in igloos, but we did graduate up from dog sleds to snowmobiles. And uh, it was, had a lot of fun with my American friends. But once in a while, they would ask me this. They would say, Dave, Dave, um, when are you going to become a citizen of the greatest country in the entire world? You know what I would tell them? too late. I'm already a citizen of Canada. (laughs) I am really sorry, but I think Canada rocks. I love Canada. My whole church is getting ready for our 150th uh, celebration. We're going to open up our doors to our community to say Yahoo for Canada. And uh, whenever my American friends would say, so when are you going to make that jump? I said, well, when are you going to cross the border here and actually become um, a citizen of a good country? Um, uh, we, I like being Canadian because we're nice, aren't we? We're nice. We're tolerant of most people. Uh, we are kind and we apologize often. Did I say that we're nice? I, I think we, yeah. We are nigh onto perfect. We are almost perfect. I think it's the best country in the world personally. Uh, in my devotions not too long ago, I was reading in the book of Revelations, Revelation chapter three, and it was going through different churches. And uh, different churches, they were saying, Jesus was coming and saying, I have this good thing about you, right? You know that, that those passages. And I have this thing to say that you need to actually get your house in order. And I got thinking because it's the Canada 150 year anniversary, what would Jesus say to Canada? If Jesus showed up, what would he say to Canada? He would say, well done Canada, I believe. I think I've been traveling across the country last two months. I've been in 23 different cities across our nation, listening to different, uh, seeing the church active in our country. And I would think that Jesus would say, you are kind to the poor. You pray, you are good people, you are nice. Isn't that awesome? I would almost think that Jesus would say, you know, other countries which will go unmentioned, I have some things to say to. But Canada, you're good to go. You're really good to go. And then I wonder, would he ever say, but I have this that you need to do still. And so I thought I'd look up somebody in the scriptures that is probably would make a great Canadian. I I said, who in the scriptures would be probably one of the best Canadians there? And I stumbled upon Cornelius, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read a little bit about the, from the scriptures that were read in Acts chapter 10, verses one to eight. In Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius. Caesarea is that, that Gentile city in the north and uh, the the garrison of, of the Roman troops, Cornelius would be seen as a captain of the troops, a centurion that was known as the Italian regiment. 
And so he was, he was definitely Gentile. He was poor, probably born into a family that believed in many gods. Yet he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Most likely he ended up in a synagogue as, as a, a place of where other God-fearing Gentiles went. He had a belief in God, a love for God, because he was not just going, going and attending, he was not just God-fearing, he was devout in his, in his service of God. And goes on to describe many more. He gave generously to those in need. He gave to the poor wherever he went. Didn't, he was already in a way following the teachings of Christ, wasn't he? He gave generously to those in need. And he prayed to God regularly. I would say he probably outfollowed Jesus than some Christians that we know. He is a good person, a nice person. Probably, he probably had a tender heart as he came into the Jewish community to serve them. He most likely got won over somehow and, and, and ended up going to their synagogue and put away his old gods and want to understand the one God. And you can tell his tender heart because he just gave his money to the poor. This man, although he was an army captain, had somewhat of a tender heart. And one day, about three, and that would be during one of the times of prayer, in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius stared at him in fear. Could you imagine that? I'm just having my devotions calm and somebody makes their way into my room, most likely shining. He drops whatever he's doing and stares open mouth. He said, what is it, Lord? <laughs> the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Your gifts to the poor actually count your, your good things, actually God took notice of. And, 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 and he said, almost like a well done, Cornelius, I see that you've given to the poor. You have actually loved your neighbor as yourself. And not only that, your, your prayers have come up. You've loved the Lord your God, as, and, and you guess what? You've also loved your neighbor as yourself. And so he was so impressed with Cornelius. Guess what God did? Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner, who's by the house of the sea. He was so, God was so impressed with him that he decided to give him a message of words. He was a follower of the teachings of Christ. But may I say he was not a believer. After reading this several times, I got the distinct idea that good people, nice people, people that actually follow the teachings of Christ still need to respond to a message. So a message is sent out to bring in a messenger. So good people still need to respond to a message. And God honors good people by bringing a message to believe. It's almost as if the gospel comes with words too. Who would have thunk that? In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Paul actually outlines that. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? It, 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 in fact, Paul is saying, listen, we need to believe because we need to become believers. 
And, and how are you going to believe unless you hear the message with what, what words, right? You're not going to believe unless you hear words. And how are you going to hear words unless somebody actually goes? Because at the end of the day, Paul says, how can they, how they call on God to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him? They've never heard about him. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So now the scene switches to Peter, and we won't read that part, but Peter is in Joppa, and he's just trying to figure this whole thing out about about the Gentiles. You know the story, don't you? The, the, The curtain is brought down, and there's different animals, and God says, kill and eat. And so Peter has to figure out his Jewishness. How does that Jewishness fit in with what Jesus is telling him to do, his Lord, his Savior? And so in a way, he has to somehow let go of the things that were so important to him as he starts to realize the wideness of some of God's mercy. And then he hears a knock on the door and he hears he's being asked to go to a Gentile's house. (laughs) That is somewhat relatable to this vision I just had. He's seeing this. He has a bit of time to figure this out as he goes, as his mind is reeling, why am I going to this house? He gets to the front door and Cornelius comes out, a Gentile that he shouldn't be even touching. And he falls at Peter's feet. And he's as if to worship Peter. And Peter all of a sudden realizes, that's why I got the vision. (laughs) That's what this really is about. Okay, God has opened the doors to the Gentiles. And Cornelius says, come in. Could you imagine Peter? He's never been in the Gentiles' house, right? He's been told not to. This will make him unclean. This will make him unqualified for a lot of things. He's standing at the threshold. Come in, come in. He's got his buddies with him, so they're going to see him come in. You know, sometimes God asks us to do uncomfortable things, doesn't he? When we're asked to go and share the good news. So he steps across. And then Cornelius tells him about the vision. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 10, verse 33 and verse to 48. And, and now there were the presence of God listening uh, to everything the Lord has got. Now, now we are all here in the presence of God, Cornelius is saying, to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. In other words, God's told you a message. Give the message. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Cornelius has the good works. He has the prayer. But he needs a Message. And Peter began to speak. Now I realize it's true that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does not does what's right. He's still speaking his own message to himself, isn't he? He's going, wow, Gentiles, Jews, ah, wideness of God. And they're all waiting for the message. And finally, he looks like he snaps out of it. He says, okay. Okay, I'm supposed to give a message. So he says this. You know the message that God sent to his people of Israel. It kicks into the message. Here's what he says. He says, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. The good news of peace. What's another word for the good news? It's the... We should be liturgical here. Okay, what's another way to say the good news? It's the gospel. Okay, thank you. Thank you, my class. You all get A's. So the message sent out to the people of Israel announcing the good news, the gospel of peace through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of all. And you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning with the Galilee and after the baptism of John preached. 
How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And we are witnesses to everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. And they killed him. <clears throat> they killed him, hanging him on the cross. God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but the witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed to judge the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Let me say that again. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness for sins in his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on Hall, who heard circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Isn't that amazing? The fruit was so just barely on the tree. He just got to say, listen, all you have to do is believe, and they already believed in their heart. They didn't even say a sinner's prayer or anything. They just believed, and boom, the Holy Spirit came in and, and, and dwelt in them, and they, they just manifested the spirit of God so everyone could know this is real this is new the Gentiles have God and Peter goes wow and all the rest of his buddies go the whole world is about to change why why because a good person who prayed a lot still needed a message you know what the message was it's summarized in this that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of sin. And we just need to believe and receive that. It's interesting. Once, once the new covenant had been established by Jesus' blood, the apostles went out. What did the apostles go out preaching in the book of Acts? What did they go out preaching? What was the first thing they did? Did they go out preaching, let's love each other. Let's, let's, uh, let's give, give good gifts away. Let's, let's be good people. Let's be nice people. Let's be Canadian. They did not preach. Guess what they preached? Everywhere they went. Everywhere they went, they preached that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins and you need to believe and receive. Peter did that in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 38. He starts off, and it's a very negative sermon, but the thing he did repeat again and again that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And we needed to respond to that. He said that, and all of a sudden people were cut to the quick. Acts chapter 10, the next one that we just read, guess what Peter said? This is what it's all about, that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. We need to believe and receive that. Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 22 to verse 32, he has his, his talk in Areopagus. Guess what he talks about? Wow, it's a mono kind of talk, isn't it? They hear it again and again. I wish for something deeper. Well, the deal is, this is what they talked about. He said, Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins and they needed to respond to it. The apostles going out, they had one message they preached again and again and again and again. Now why? Why did they do that? Why? Did they, didn't they also preach be good and nice people? Well, yeah, yeah, they got to that. They got to that part. They, they got to the Good Samaritan. They, they, they got to all the other stories. The first one out of the gate was that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sin. And we need to respond to that. 
Here's why I believe they did that. Because you can't be good unless you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself unless you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God through faith in him. <laughs> through faith in him. It's fun, as a, as a pastor, I get to see this happen again and again and again. And I see people who have struggled their whole lives to be good people come face to face with a risen Savior. And they believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And they responded to that. And it changed their lives. I wish you could meet Taya. Taya is amazing. She grew up as an atheist. She said she ate Christians for lunch. She hated Christians. And they used to rip Christians apart until when she was 27 years old, she received a stroke. And her whole life just thrown into, into this whirlwind of trouble and despair. And not knowing what to do as the last resort, somebody said, you should try going to church. She ended up at my church. She left, she left her car running because she was too afraid to see what these Christians were like. We might have two heads and she didn't know how to respond to Christians and so we tell our parking lot people what to do and they knock on the window come on in she caught in she got invited out for supper she got to be able to meet some people and that was in September she got to find out the love of the community of Christ and by Christmas time she said Dave I'm ready I didn't even know what she was ready for so what are you ready for Taya I want Jesus we knelt down and she recognized that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of her sin. She believed and received. If she was here, she would tell you the adventure after adventure she's had as God has led her in answers to prayer and how guilt and shame is gone. And she would tell you, she praised God she got a stroke because it led her to Jesus. <laughs> Why am I talking about something so basic, so simple that we all get. I think this is a message that Canadians need. For many years, I have been a part of a movement that, that, that we have almost pushed away believing. We all have been there, haven't we? We used to be called believers, do you remember that? And now we're being called followers of Christ. And I like that move because that actually makes us obey. <laughs> but we've gone so far that everybody's following the teachings of Christ and nobody actually ever believes that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sin. I was speaking at my denomination. I love my denomination. I actually love my denomination. I am a part of that family and I love them. And I was speaking for their youth retreat, big youth retreat, about 600 kids. And I thought I would actually preach this section. And so I talked about that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And they should respond to it. Anybody want to respond to it? Interesting, over 250 kids responded to it. Whole youth group stood up. <laughs> I said, I got this wrong. Sit down, sit down. Aren't you only supposed to have three or four? <laughs> so they stood up again, even more. I went over to a whole youth group. And I talked to youth pastor. I think I got this wrong. I, got, I, I spoke it wrong because they all wanted to respond to the message that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sin. And he said, Dave, I, I don't talk about that. It's like it's kind of embarrassing. I went over to another youth pastor. 
I said, well, your whole youth group responded, yeah, isn't that great? That's why I bring to the retreat so I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Something in my heart skips. As I feel like I'm in this battle for the good news of Jesus Christ. That the good news still is that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And we need to respond to that. So my question to you as we go, if you are a Sunday school teacher, if you're a pastor, if you are in a family, when was the last time you asked that? When was the last time you actually said, Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins? And you need to respond to that. Really? When was it? If I asked you to turn to your neighbor, you'd say, oh yeah, I, I've been doing that the last few weeks. Or if it would take some time to remember, has it been years? Has it been a long time? If that's the case, then when Jesus comes back, he'll say to Canadians, well done, Canadians. You've been nice. You've been loving. You've been giving. You've been faithful and devout in loving God. But this one thing I have against you, there's a message that needs to be spoken still. The message is this, that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. We need to respond to that. That's my challenge to you all. Could we not forget the message? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, the clear, clear gospel in your word. Thank you that we are given the message that goes along with the goodness and the, and the, and the following you and the, the beauty of sharing your life with others. Father, I pray that you'll give us opportunities, open us doors, that we can actually share also the message of your son. I pray that you'll bring that up, open doors, and tap us on the shoulder of when to do that. We trust in you for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you for coming, everyone. I hope you have a rich and wonderful day. You're dismissed.